Counter-Attack podcast with myself, Daps. Um, back again with another podcast. Um, keep liking, subscribing, sharing, all of that good stuff. I'm going to keep the content coming. I'm going to keep the guests coming. It was a bit of a tough time getting guests over the last couple of weeks. I think because of the, normally when the season starts, everyone just wants to kind of knuckle down and get, you know, get on with it. But also transfer window happening and stuff like that. But as I'm recording this, it's the last day of the transfer window. So once that's wrapped up, the guests can come on freely. And um, I'm working on a big one for you guys. So as soon as I get that big one over the line, listen, just make sure you like, subscribe, share, hashtag counterattack podcast, put in the comments who you think it is. Just put in the comments who you think it is. And um, hopefully, like I said, we get that one over the line sooner rather than later. But yeah, keep liking, subscribing, sharing. But today, it's just going to be another podcast, me by myself, just going to go through what's been happening in the world of football, in the world of Premier League, um, as it stands. Yesterday, should I start off with that one? Do you know what? Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, I think it's, I think there's been a big issue that's been made out of Arsenal celebrating. And Richard Keyes and Andy Gray had a lot to say about the fact that we just beat Fulham and it was a massive thing. You know, why are we celebrating? We've not achieved anything. And I just wanted to know what is it about Arsenal winning that rubs people up the wrong way? I honestly don't get it because the whole point of, you know, celebrating, I mean, what's the point of going to a match? What's the point of going to support a team if, you know, your team gets a last minute winner and you can't even celebrate properly? Do you get what I'm saying? And this just feeds into the whole thing of there being such a massive issue with Arsenal winning right now. No one, no one is saying we're, we're going for the league. No one is saying that we're contenders. No, but we're winning and we're playing well. And because we're playing well, we're praising the team like every other team does, like every other supporter does, you know. But when it's Arsenal, there's this massive, ah, oh, why are they celebrating? It's only five games in. They haven't played anyone, you know, look at the teams that they're playing. Bearing in mind, some of the teams we're playing, other teams have played them and dropped points. So it just goes to show you that there's no easy game. There's no game where you're looking at thinking, yeah, that's a 100%. You know, they should be doing that. They should be doing that. They should be beating that team because we beat Palace away. Newcastle, not Newcastle, sorry. Liverpool, 2-2 at home. Fulham, who we who we beat. Liverpool also dropped points to them. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's no easy games. I think we're in a time now where people just want to moan about something. And I think, sorry, I think when the energy... When Arsenal do eventually lose, because we will lose one day, hopefully not too soon. When Arsenal do eventually lose, the energy is going to be a very different energy in regards to the pundits, in regards to rival fans and everything, because everyone's waiting for it. So right now, as we're winning, praise them for what you're seeing. And and it's also the manner in which we're winning. We're not just, you know, making it boring. We're not just like, oh, how did you get out of that? It's not a case of we're lucky to be 
winning these games. No, we deserve to be winning these games. I don't think there's been one game out of the five yet where we haven't deserved to win, where we just, you know, smash and grab. No, I, I believe there's still room for improvement. There's still room for, you know, more signings and, you know, but it, it will come. But I think to to go on and say, especially because these are like big, big pundits who know football or are supposed to know football or are supposed to know football, but they keep, it just makes no sense. There's a real hatred for what Arsenal are doing right now and long may it continue because it means we're doing something right. And on the subject of Arsenal, I'm going to talk about yesterday's game to, um, who do we beat? Aston Villa. So Aston Villa, poor run of form. And I said the other week on the podcast that Steven Gerrard is in a bit of trouble. But cool. So I said to um, I said to my boy that this is a game that we should really be looking to just get them out of here. Early, early doors. And I kid you not, the performance itself, especially in that first half, the only thing missing was the fact that it was just... You know, there weren't enough goals. It was 1-0 and to be totally honest, it should have been four, it should have been five. We were literally all over them. And everything about the way Arsenal are performing right now in regards to the press, in regards to the intensity, in regards to the consistency, in regards to just the overall levels that players are playing at is, is just so good to watch right now. And even the neutrals, even... The fans who absolutely hate us, they can't help but say, no, they are looking real good. And, you know, I, I really want to mention, and I'm not saying just, just because he's been on the podcast, but I really do want to mention Sambi Lakonga because I've noticed that whilst the majority of the fan base like him, there's a small minority who are loud that doubt him, that haven't really given him a chance and who and they look at him as someone that's not good enough and oh we need someone to come in and and be better than him or whatever because and I don't understand that because he's still a young player finding his feet you know last year was his first season in the Premier League new new team new league and he's not the first person to need time to settle in but even within that time settling in we saw that he's got the ability do you get what I mean? So, you know, yesterday was a big game for him, I felt. And I believe he passed it with flying colours. So he obviously had to play the party role yesterday. And what I liked about him is he would have known that the doubters were there. He would have known that there was a bit of pressure on him. So he didn't do anything too major. He kept it really, really simple and played his game. I don't, like, I honestly believe he was... You know, there's okay, man the match is a stretch, but he was one of the better performers yesterday and went about his job just calmly and effortlessly. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you can't I personally let me not let me only speak for myself. I personally can only see no, I can't see any time within that match where he looked like you know, he was out out of his depth. We didn't miss party yesterday. And what I liked about him, there was a point where he got the ball and the good thing about him is that he always looks forward and this is the difference between him and El Nenny. I like what El Nenny does in regards to keeping it neat, 
just keeping it passing sideways and holding the ball, keeping hold of the ball. But Sambi, you can see his first thing is to look forward. And within the first five minutes of the game, I think it was one of his first touches, he got the ball out of his feet and switched it to Martinelli, I think it was. And that's when I, I knew, okay, he's locked in. He's ready to have a good game. And I, I just think that, I know a lot has been said about if Party gets injured, because Party is currently injured, you know, that, that we're in deep trouble. But I genuinely believe that, assuming the Party injury isn't a long-term thing, I genuinely believe that if it's games here and there, he can, he can fill in. You know, obviously, transfer window right now, um, I've seen that Arsenal are interested in Douglas Luiz, who's also a good, a good, good signing. And if that's the case, then, you know, in terms of the party role, if he's injured, that's, um, that's a good understudy. But if that doesn't come to, to um, fruition and it means Lokonga gets more game time, I'm all for it because I honestly believe this guy can play. And again, it's not just because he's been on the podcast. If you haven't watched it, make sure you go and check out the Sambi Lokonga episode. It's literally just because he's a good, good player. And we should give, you know, our young talent the chance to go on and thrive and, and play. So, um, yeah. But other other positives in the game. I liked Kirantini yesterday. So, I liked Kirantini. I think there's been people who, all of a sudden, because Zinchenko's coming, they've forgotten what Kirantini gives us. And Kirantini is a different kind of player. He's someone that is just dynamic and just... He's just ruthless, you know, with attacking the byline and getting those crosses in. But not only that, I honestly believe he's a better defender than Zinchenko. Zinchenko is just a better footballer. He's a better footballer. Sentiment, like, he's cultured. But Kirantini, he just offers us some, something different. And um, I think last year, what we had was the drop-off in quality. But Zinchenko came out, Tini come in. And there's nothing to really worry about there. There's nothing to worry about at all. I think that was a big, big plus yesterday. Another thing before I come off Arsenal, Saka. Um, there's been rumblings that people aren't happy with Saka's contribution so far this season. And that he's off form. And I don't know where this comes from. I genuinely don't know where this comes from. I think when you look at the first game, yeah, it probably wasn't his best game. But he contributed and you know, put the cross in for the on goal. Other than that, I think he's he's come into it. As the games have gone on, he's come into it. And yesterday, he was such a big threat. And I feel like he's been doing that the last couple of games. But you can see that he knows he needs a goal. And I think that's that's all it is. He had a chance yesterday where he should have scored, but at least he's getting in the positions. At least he's getting in the positions to to miss those or to score or to get those opportunities. There was another one where he was kind of bowled over and the ball kind of went past him and that should have been a certain goal. Another day that goes in. That goes in. So um, I'm really, I'm happy with Saka right now. I think it's imperative we get another winger in because we can't do the over-reliance thing on just the two wingers. I know Emma Smith-Rowe is there as well, but we need a real out-and-out -out winger to provide competition, but also just give respite because we can't keep 
running these men into the ground. Honourable shout out to Martinelli. I'm not going to say too much about him because we already know how I feel about him. Player, player, absolute player. And um, Xhaka. Granite, Granite, Xhaka. What I will say about Granite is his time at Arsenal has been tainted by, you know, times where he's off form, times where he's the bad guy, times where he's the scapegoat. And rightly so, a lot of the times. But I think right now, he's actually one of the better performing midfielders in the league right this second. And it's it might be form or whatever. That's not me saying he's one of the best, no. But if you look at form right now, Xhaka is one of the best performing midfielders in the league. Again, not saying he's one of the better midfielders in the league, but I think that when we, cre- when, we re- when we critique these guys, and as loud as we critique these guys, especially Xhaka, I think that we have to praise them equally the same. So right now, I'm giving Xhaka his praise for how he's performing. Long may it continue. Long may it continue. And, you know, he's relishing this new role. And, um, yeah, that's what I've got to say on, on, on Xhaka. Just long may it continue. And he's looking like a new player. It's almost as if he's a whole new signing, a whole new player. So... Yeah, good times for Arsenal. This weekend will against Manchester United. Depending on when I put this out, I don't know, it might come out after. No, I'll, I'll put it out before. Um, Manchester United is a big test. It's a big test at Old Trafford, which I hate. I hate going to Old Trafford because we just never get to get the rub of the green there. Do you get what I'm saying? It's 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 a bit of a it's a tough place for us, but I'm more hopeful than ever that we can go there and get a performance and get a point, get a win. I'm hopeful because even though United are, you know, they've not turned the corner, but it looks like, you know, they beat Liverpool, they beat Southampton. Um, Both teams are going to go into it, look into, you know, confidence. Well, Depends what happens with Manchester United and, and Leicester. But let's just assume Manchester United beat Leicester, which I think they will do. It's going to be a tough game for, for both sides. And, you know, one that if Arsenal come away from that with a win, I think people will finally give Arsenal the respect that they need. Because as much as Arsenal are playing well, people find it hard to respect them because we haven't played a big team. Even though, like I said, a lot of the teams we've played have gone on and beaten or gotten points off some of the other big teams. Do you get what I'm saying? So, um, hopefully it all um, goes well for Arsenal this weekend. You know, hopefully Gabby can continue to um, notch, continue to to be an absolute nuisance. And also, oh, Sugar, Enketia. I have to talk about Enketia. Enketia is... He's showing... He's showing why it's important to give young players the grace to to develop. Do you get what I'm saying? And I think as well, Gabriel Jesus coming into the club, coupled with the fact that he knew, as in Enketia knew, that he was going to be second choice and be getting way more game time. So it's giving him that hunger. It's just elevated him. He looks sharper. He looks fitter. He looks stronger. Yesterday he came on and... The time that he was on for, he was a nuisance. He was holding up the ball. He was 
He was giving the team respite. He was killing time. Like, he's just really coming on leaps and bounds. And he's going to get enough games. He's going to get game time this year because Gabri, Gabriel Jesus can't play every game. So Nketiah, no doubt, will get his games. And um, let's just see how much, how much more he can develop. But it's important we do give young players time to develop. Too many times we write off players because they're not the finished article. Too many times we look at these younger players and think, oh, they're not doing it yet. They must be rubbish. No, let's give time. You know, not every player is going to burst onto the scene like Messi and Mbappe and whatnot. Like, no, it doesn't happen all the time. It very rarely happens when you really look at it. There are some who just out the gate are just good. But for the, for the most part, players need to be able to develop. And... Um, yeah, let's just not write them off so so quickly. And Nketiah is showing what can happen when you do not write a player off so quickly. Um, what's next for me? <sighs> Liverpool. Liverpool are... I still think Liverpool will finish second. Honestly, I still think Liverpool will finish second. I think, it, I think they had a tough start to the season not in regards to the opposition, just like with injuries and, you know, finding their rhythm. But I do think now that, you know, they've got a couple wins on the bounce, I do think that they're going to, you know, pick up, moment, pick up momentum and um, turn the corner. Interesting to see that they've gone for um, Melo today. I think that's, that's a good signing. I think that's a good signing for them. I think for what they need right now with the injuries, they need someone to just come in and be able to just do a job. Someone that's competent. He might not start when everyone is fit, but whilst everyone isn't fit and you're struggling for bodies in there, I think he will come in and and really um, like impact and really contribute. So I think it's a good signing. I know some fans are, I've seen already that they're disillusioned with that and they're not too happy about it. But I think, once they see him play, if he can, if he can get used to the system and integrate into the team like very quickly, I think he'll be a good signing for them. And I'm, I'm I've been impressed with Fabio Cavallo, little Coutinho, um, but he can. Jurgen Klopp said he can play as like the holding like in a six, but he can also play in the eight. Like he can do everything, and he didn't expect that from him. I didn't expect it from him. I expected what I saw him doing at Fulham, which was further forward in the creative spaces. But he's just a really good footballer. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see how he can push on and where he actually ends up playing more and more for Liverpool. But he's got a bright future ahead of him and honourable shout out to Harvey Elliott as well, who's been playing really, really well. Um, Yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to, to, to talk about, yeah, I know it's probably old news by now, but Richarlison doing the kickups. So many people had a problem with it, and I didn't. I didn't care. Do you know what? Let me even see if I can get Darren Bent's um, view on it. Uh, actually, you know what? No, no. Let me let me not let me not do that now. Let me not do that. I should have done it before, like hooked it up and everything. But um, yeah, Richarlison doing kickups. I have no issues with that. Showboating has always been a thing in football. We love it when we see it, but for whatever reason, this one rubbed him up the wrong way. 
I don't have a problem with it at all. What I also don't have a problem with is Brennan Johnson taking him out. Because if you're going to do all the kick-ups and all of that stuff, just be prepared for what's going to come next. So I have no problem. Do all the kick-ups you want to do. I remember when Ronaldo first came into the league and there was a game he played. I think it might have been against Charlton for Man United. So Man United against Charlton. And he was doing all the showboat and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They cleaned him out. He didn't do it again that game. That game. So if you're going to do the showboating, be prepared for what's going to come. So the fact that people have such a strong opinion on it and oh, that don't belong in the game. Oh, it's unsportsmanlike. Listen, I'm all right with it, but just be prepared for the repercussions. And on that, on Tottenham, I don't know how to take Tottenham right now. The reason why I don't know how to take Tottenham right now is because I don't think they're particularly playing well. But they're winning and getting results. Uh, yesterday, they drew away to West Ham. But that's also a very tough place to go to. And it didn't really look convincing to me from what I saw anyway. But every time I've seen Tottenham play this season, they've started really, really slow. And they should have been, you know, losing and stuff like that by half time. But they stay in it. And as long as they have Kane, Kulazewski and Son in that team, they've got a chance to always get a goal. And what was interesting, I saw the Kane goal yesterday, I mean, Kane goal, the own goal, is that, remember in pre-season when they were doing them Conte runs, like the length of the pitch, and it was burning them out? You can see how it's paying dividends. Last year, Harry Kane, he, you see him drop off, ping a ball, whatever, but he's not getting into the box. He's not able to do it. Yesterday, I saw him do an overlapping run from far. And I was just like, wow, Kane's looking looking real fit. So that's a that's a plus for for Tottenham. And it's just it's danger because it just means Kane is on his job and he's just gonna score a bag of goals. And um yeah, I, I didn't think we'd see this version of Kane. He's looking fitter. I've not seen him this fit in a couple seasons. So if that continues, if they continue to get the best out of Kulazewski and, and Son, even though Son's a bit, he's not really doing it right now, but if they continue to to play this way, then um, they're a dangerous team. They've got outside shot of, no, 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 they don't, they don't. But top four, 100%. I was going to say they've got outside shot of, you know, challenging, for, but they don't, they don't. I don't think, I don't think they do. I don't think they do because Man City, for me, is always going to be number one. But you see what they've got in Haaland, yeah? Well, five games in and this this robot has nine goals. And what's mad is that he's still settling in. You can see from how he's playing that he spends a lot of time not involved in anything. There's a lot of time where he's just on the pitch. But, you know, he's got nine goals. He hasn't fully, you know, integrated into the system, I don't think. The Man City system, the way they play. He's doing all right, but he has not really, you know, done. But he's got nine goals. And we're five games in. I saw a TikTok of this, um, 
this guy complaining to his um his missus. His missus was recording, and she was just like, you know, if you get twenty goals in a, in a season, you're you're seen as a good striker. Like it's been a good season for you. He's got nine in five games. He's already got almost half of that, and there's thirty eight games in a season. How many goals can this guy get? Honestly, thirty eight games in a season. Five gone, he's got nine goals. Assuming you get 20, 20 goals in a season to be a good Premier League striker, he's got he's got nine. And the record, I believe, is 31 goals in a season. Honestly, I think he smashes that. I think he's mad. I didn't I didn't think I would see the day where, you know, like them Lewandowski numbers where you get 40 in the league and and messy numbers are in there. I didn't think we'd see that in the Prem. But Haaland is ridiculously scary. Yeah. Haaland is ridiculously scary. So, oh, yeah. They're definitely going to, it's going to take some beating. So, hopefully, hopefully he stays fit for them. Um, it'll be interesting if he doesn't stay fit. If there are times where, you know, he's not there how they would look because then there then there's a problem but as long as he's fit as long as he's there yeah we could be looking at our first 40 goal a season striker in Haaland we actually could be looking at our first 40 goal a season striker it's it's dangerous it's in it's really really dangerous man so um this Pogba situation you don't hear about this um yeah, this is a real, you know, Pogba and his brother, his brother is coming out saying all sorts to him, saying he went to go and visit a witch doctor and that there's information that if his teammates found out about, they would look at him differently and stuff like that. And he's come out and said, yeah, he went to visit a witch doctor, but just so that he doesn't get injured. I mean, it didn't work because he'd been injured, didn't it? But... Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a weird situation, man, and and I don't know because and I was wondering a couple of weeks ago what actually happened to his brother because they always used to be seen together, but now that now they ain't, and it raises another question: this whole Pogba situation in regards to people having entitlement, like so when when you're okay, let, let me let me start this point again. This Pogba situation, the reason why it's interesting to me, not so much Pogba, but more so players that come from like inner city areas, do you get what I mean? Who who have been surrounded by a certain type of people who make it. And you hear about this in like hip hop culture as well. Like some people have a certain entitlement towards what you've built. So I believe that's probably the case here where, um, cause I heard that the, the gangs just, or whoever it is that are trying to extortion, um, extort, sorry, extort Pogba aren't happy with the fact that he's not financing them. They're asking for 13 million pounds or euros or whatever. And it's interesting how you can make it, you can be from a certain place and people would just feel entitled like, how do you navigate around that? Do you get what I'm saying? Because you can say that, oh, I want to be in and amongst the people still. I'm still one of you. But you're not. You're not. And Pogba going, 
you know, going back and they tried to kidnap him just goes to show that that you're not. You have to just distance yourself. So maybe that's what's happened. We don't know. I just think that's a very weird situation, man. Honestly, and um, what else? Morgan Gibbs White, forty five mil. So I'm just kind of just going through a lot of the things that I haven't spoken about since the last time I was here. But Morgan, go back on this pod. You will hear me talk about Morgan Gibbs White about two seasons ago, or maybe three seasons ago, when I first saw him for Wolves. I said, this guy is an absolute player. But I was going back and forth with someone on Twitter because they said that they thought I said I liked him. And yet I'm talking about the, the transfer price. And I like the player. I like him a lot. Do I think he's worth 45 million? No. Do I, do I think he thinks he's worth 45 million? No. But no one actually cares. My comment was just that where are they getting these these funds from? Where are they getting these these amounts from? Because it's crazy to me how someone that isn't a starter, hasn't been a starter in this Wolves team, went on loan to the championship whenever it was, is now being seen as a 45 million player. And speaking of Nottingham Forest, they also signed Czech Coyote. Um They got Lodi. Was it was it them that got Lodi? Yeah, they got Lodi from Atletico Madrid. Like they're really forking out the money right now. I know they really want to stay in the league. I'd, I'm just wondering how how easy or how difficult it's going to be to maintain that if they do not stay in the league. I think they've. They've invested heavy and they're pinning all their hopes on staying in this league. And boy, heaven forbid, you know, it doesn't happen. And they end up going down the route of, of what happened to Derby, where Derby were paying extortionate, not extortionate, ex, ex, what's the word I'm looking for? Extraordinary amounts of money to, to certain players and it, they couldn't maintain it and end up, you know, going into administration and, and all of that. So, not in the forest, for the sake of the club and whatever, let's just hope that they stay in the league because some of the, the signings that they've made, I heard 15, 16 signings. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's crazy, but we'll see how, how, how it is. I think Bournemouth are going to definitely go down this year. Um, that squad is just not good enough for the Premier League. Um, Mitrovic... <laughs> He's finally showed up in the Prem. He's had about what? This is his third opportunity trying to, to do it in the Prem. And he just looks like he's he's older now. He's more experienced. And, you know, it helps that Fulham, I believe, are building a better team as well. Or they've built a better team to cope with the um, with the league. And Marco Silva is genuinely a good manager as well. Um, so Mitrovic... I think if you can get him between the 10 to 15 goals, uh, about 10, 10's more realistic. But if you can get him up to 15 goals for the season, I think they'll survive. You know, they've done some smart business as well. They've added in Willian now, who say what you like about him. He's a good player um, for that level, especially. I think I think getting in an experienced head who's won Champions League, won league. he's won Champions League, right? Has Willian won Champions League? I'm pretty sure he has, yeah, won the league and, and stuff like getting in getting in those players like that, it bodes well, especially because they look like a, 
a tight knit group as well who who know how the manager wants to play, who will fight till the end. And, you know, they're really, um, I believe they can stay up. But it's a tough league this year, man. It's a tough league. You know, no points are guaranteed apart from Bournemouth. Yeah. Like, no points are guaranteed in this league. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Right. Everton. Are we going to talk about Everton? Nah, I don't really want to talk about Everton. Chelsea, oh my gosh, Chelsea, what's happening over there? Do you know what? I said about Chelsea yeah, that what doesn't help Tuchel is that how he wants to play or how he's got them playing isn't sustainable. And the reason why I say it isn't sustainable is because without that striker or without that creative release, the pressure's always going to come back because when you've got that many defenders in your team, it seems like every day they're linked with a new defender. So when you're just so defensive heavy and you don't really put emphasis on creating, on top of that, you've got players playing in that system who are supposed to be the creative players who aren't creating in this moment in time, who are way off form in this moment of time. It just doesn't bode well. And already we're seeing there's a heavy reliance on Raheem Sterling to get the goals. Because Raheem Sterling, he's he's openly scoring. He's got three and two, I believe. I might be wrong, but he's got three and two. It doesn't... Oh, it looks... Um, Chelsea have made a bid. Oh, Chelsea close to agreeing a deal for Aubameyang. I'm not going to lie. It looks like it's going to happen. I'm not happy about it, but it looks like it's going to happen. Chelsea, yeah, I'm not happy about that. And it looks like I, um, Chelsea are also in for Ajax midfielder, Edson Alvarez. But yeah, I, it's it's definitely important they get a striker in because Kai Havertz isn't doing it. Mason Mount isn't doing it right now. That's not to say that, that they're bad players. No, I always have to put that disclaimer because some people lack comprehension in what I'm saying. But I honestly believe that something has to give. Because when you look at that midfield, they'll work, but there's no cutting edge. There's no cutting edge to that midfield. Even when Kante and Kovacic is there and Jorginho, there's still no cutting edge. They need that creative, creative player. And Mount is supposed to be that, and Mount is not doing it. He's not doing it at all. Mount is moving how he was moving a couple seasons ago where he wasn't doing anything. I think it was under Lampard. And he wasn't doing anything to warrant starting so many games. He was starting for England and he wasn't doing it. He's looking like that Mount. Remember when Mount, when Mason Mount was just not, not yeah, he just wasn't contributing. That's how it feels right now. But he knows he'll always play. Kai Havertz, I feel sorry for Kai Havertz because Kai Havertz, and I said this previously on a on on pod, Kai Havertz has been asked to do a job that I don't think they brought him in for. Do you get what I'm saying? He's gone from being that supporting striker, supporting player, to being their main striker. And he wasn't, you know, before it was okay where Lukaku was supposed to be the main striker, so, and he just kind of filled in. But now, he's actually expected, he came into the season as the main guy. So that pressure that's been put on him has been a lot, look, not in a forest to sign Willy Bolly. Look at that. Um... 
Yeah, so that, that pressure on Kai Havertz has been a lot. And I don't think he's kind of living up to that, especially when the patience is so is so thin in this day and age, especially because he's young. He still needs to develop, but people aren't having him. And, and um, yeah, he's struggling for form right now. But Chelsea need to do something. I think if this continues for another couple of weeks where they're just losing games, they're not performing, I think Tuchel might be, you know, I think he might be on edge. I think he might be on edge a bit because how long can this continue? And I don't know what these new owners are like, how ruthless they are or whatever, but I do know in football, you know, it's a results game. And right now the results aren't, you know, going as as, as well as you know they would like. So already they've lost, what, twice this season? Opening five games, they lost twice this season. Last time that happened, I think they finished eighth in the league. I remember that season when Hazard was a no-show that season. But, um, you know, again, we'll just see. And, and with all of these teams dropping points, because Arsenal will, of course, drop points. But with all of these teams in and around them dropping points so early, you know, it does bode well for Arsenal in regards to the top four race. So that's going to be an interesting race because some of the people who I thought were a sure thing, I thought Chelsea were a sure thing. I thought... Tottenham were a sure thing, which is why I thought, no, no, Man City, Liverpool, sure things. So the other two spaces, I thought, oh, it's going to be so difficult for Arsenal to get it. But and I know we're only five games in, but, you know, it's going to be an interesting race. And last year, we we started so bad and we missed out on a, by a point. This year, we started excellent, the best start we can hope for. Hopefully, as the season goes on, we pick up all those points needed to get into the top four. Man United have signed Anthony for 100 mil or 85 mil. Does anyone else get that? 85 mil for a player who is really and truly unproven. Do you get what I'm saying? And Ajax have taken United for a ride this summer. I don't even know how much they spent on Martinez. I don't know. Like Man United have spent big this summer. And people were talking about a couple of weeks ago how big Arsenal had had spent and whatever. But Man United have spent big this summer. And the same expectation that people put on Arsenal to finish top four is the same expectation that we should have on Manchester United to finish top four. I don't normally go by how much money people have spent because I think it's all relative to where your team's at in that moment of time. If our team was like Man City and we spent another... 150, 160 million strengthening it, I would 100% say, yeah, we have to go for the league. But Manchester United, they spent all this money. We need to see a better showing from them. Let me, let me just put it that way. I think top four is a bare minimum for them. But it's funny because a lot of these clubs, top four is the bare minimum for all of them. And only four teams or two can make it when you take out City and Liverpool. And some people might look at me and say, Liverpool aren't even a sure thing for top four. But I think they are. Let me know. Let, you guys just let me know, man, uh, who you think should be in the top four. I mean, who you think will be in the top four. If, you, if, uh, if I'm wrong about Liverpool being, you know, a sure thing for that top four, let me know, man, in the comments. And, you know, we're going to keep it going. I don't actually know if there's anything else in regards to this little update. Um... No, Casemiro is going to be a good buy. Um, let me look. 
let me look at my notes because I had basically I was meant to have a guest today but his agent called him last minute so I think there's a move going on for that player I'm not going to say who the player is because yeah but I think well by the time by the time this comes out it would have um, been done but I had notes that we were going to discuss Harland which Harlison Oh, Scott Parker got sacked. Yeah, Scott Parker got sacked. Um, I think that's incredibly harsh. Opening four games, he had Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool. Mate, they knew they probably weren't going to get anything from that. I think the 9-0 was, was bad, was bad, but... You know, I, I, I just genuinely believe that they didn't think they were going to get anything from those games. And a lot has come out about the sacking being mainly about, um, about the sacking being mainly about his reaction and what he's been saying in the press in regards to not being backed. But I, I don't like it. I don't like it when clubs do that. You know, the, the man that got you up, you haven't really backed him. You know, in a tough league, you got he's got a championship squad in the Premier League, and you go and sack him. You know, it's I don't like that one bit. Um, I don't think his his reputation, I don't think his reputation will um, will suffer as a result because I think people can see that it was harsh. Do you get what I'm saying? But Bournemouth are in trouble. <laughs> Bournemouth are in trouble. We potentially could be seeing the lowest points tally ever. It might even... Did Norwich have that? Did Norwich have the lowest points tally? Because whatever Norwich did last season, which weren't great, I think... Even Was it Fulham before that? Whatever. I think Bournemouth are actually on course to be the lowest point, points tally we, we, we will ever see in this. Not ever, but we've ever seen in the, in the league. Because they're a good team, but they're a really good championship team. But in the Premier League, I, I just believe that they... They just don't have it to to compete. Um, Scott Parker said in his in his um, press conference, he was just like, "We've had three three transfers come in, three free transfers come in. That's it. You know, there's people who are playing well above their level, and it'd be okay if you had other players who were who were able to play at that level in and around them, but they don't. A lot of people are just learning on the job. A lot of people are." learning from other people who are just learning on their job. So that Bournemouth team, honestly, we need to, um, yeah, they need to do something. And it's last day of the transfer window. I can't see them getting in five bodies in. So it don't look, it don't look good for them. But yeah, no, guys, that's me, man. I've given you 45 minutes of content. Just a quick rapid fire. Like I said, I'm going to give you another one next week. I'm going to give you a guest next week. And um, we're just going to keep it moving. So in the comments, you lot let me know who you want me to get on. Let me know about anything you've, you've, you've thought about this um, podcast, good or bad. Um, hashtag counterattack podcast on Twitter. Can we like start using the hashtag? I don't care what you say, just use the hashtag so that I can retweet and get the conversation moving. And follow me on my socials. Um, I've been active lately on Twitter in regards to tweeting football and stuff whereas normally I'm just like whatever 
But follow me, follow the podcast. Like I said, keep sharing. TikTok is counterattack podcast. Um and I post up clips every now and then. But yeah, guys, that's it for me. I'm out.